as we busily sort our needs before Prime Possum tells all Victorians that it's time for bed and want to watch the footy indoors and by ourselves. We're also busily crunching numbers and reading form lines as we try our best to keep up with this chaotic festival of footy. Short turnarounds and high attrition rates fed a complicated, furious race for the funnels. And with me to break down all the action is the punter's prophet himself, Big Bustling Baz. How are we holding up, mate? Down in our lockdown 3.0 style. 3.0, isn't it? 4.0 now. It's uh, stage four. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting day with all the, the new uh, rules that have come out. I, I don't know how it affects me just yet. There's lots of grey area, but uh, trying to keep positive without and trying not to fall apart at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the general vibe uh, of everyone is just hold on for dear life and then hopefully it gets a little bit easier soon enough. Yeah, look, I, I keep uh, – yeah, I probably – Freaked out a bit when he was uh, in his press conference, but uh, pulled myself together, wrote down what I was grateful for, and yeah, just try not to be too negative about it and uh, keep looking forward. And hopefully, uh, when we get out of this, the beers will taste better, uh, and uh, yeah, the, everything will be good and get to see my family and friends, and everyone's healthy and everyone's good. And I think it's just really important that we look after each other. It's uh, my main thing is. Uh, whether you know people or not, just look after them as best you can, and uh, hopefully, yeah, one day it all it all comes back to you, sort of thing too. So yeah, we are apart, but we are together, and we're all hopefully moving in the same direction. So very good words there from uh, Coach Baz. Now you said you're trying to keep it positive. I hate to do this to you, but I do have a negative need to bring up. So our first segment of uh, what are the odds this week will be buy, sell, hold. It's an emergency stock market meeting, Baz, because one stock is absolutely crashing. So I've got bad news, good news, and no news. The bad news is obviously Collingwood. Collingwood, 7749, were defeated by Fremantle. Yes, Fremantle, 10161. In the words of BT, boy, oh boy, wowie, what's going on with the pies, mate? And is your bid red texter out? Yeah, my red text did come out. Uh, I thought, well, I still thought going into this week that with a bit of luck and some injuries, we'd probably still be one of the premiership uh, likely winners this year. But I've, uh, yeah, our in- inability to score, even though we are a bit like Melbourne in a lot of ways, we're able to get the ball inside 50, but we're inefficient. And we really don't have a functioning four line. So I just put the line through us. We're struggling, we're struggling around at stoppages. Grundy's a bit out of form, whether he's playing sore or not. We haven't got a four. Our four line is not functioning. Our back line is now starting to leak really uh, easily, which uh, I know we played Sydney this week, who have uh, been very, very good through the corridor and slingshotting. So uh, that could be a bit of a test for us, but that's probably a bit later in a week we'll talk about that one. But, yeah, to me, uh, interesting times ahead for the Pies. And it just something doesn't seem right down there at Collingwood Land either with the last few weeks, our performances. So... Wasn't great, but Fremantle were really good. They were, they were really good. They, they uh, long we all got the tactics right. Um, they executed it really well. And Young Sarong played a great game. And Ryan down back just kept taking set marks and had a field day. And they're building something, building something, a nice little team down there. They're probably missing a few players still, but they're they're starting to head in the right direction. I think. Mm. Yeah, two interesting little takeaways from that game was that second quarter. So inside fifty count was 8-13 to 13 in favour of Collingwood, but the goals went 4-1 to one in favour of Fremantle. And so that just proved that, like, going into half time, you had basically a, a 10 inside 50 advantage to be trailing by two goals. 
So that's kind of just sums up the season for Collingwood is that you can have all this possession, you can have all this territory, but if you don't make it count on the scoreboard, it's not really worth it. I mean, as you've said, momentum is the most important thing to capture in a shortened game season and a shortened quarter season, and they they just haven't been able to do it. And the thing from Fremantle that was really impressive was their kind of frenetic pressure. So coming out into that third quarter of 22 tackles to 12, yes, Collingwood had a lot more possession and they needed to have that pressure, but again, that pressure stymied um, a lot of Collingwood scoring power. So, as you said, very impressive win by Fremantle, but uh, huge concerns for Collingwood going forward. Is there any way you can fix it, or is this an irreparable red marker moment? Can we fix it? I think we can with our ball movement, definitely. There's a few times when we broke from the back line and from a turnover and we got it to half forward and decided to handball to a bloke behind us or stationary or under pressure instead of kicking it one-on-one to a forward and hoping they'd get the job done, at least bring the ball to ground. So that's... That's definitely a worry. They've obviously we're coaching and not uh, all teams are now coached to try not to turn over the footy. So uh, if, it, if they don't really want to kick it to a one-on-one, they want to try and keep possession. So, and we're seeing teams at the moment like Brisbane and Port who are doing really, really well. That um, even to a certain degree, Geelong um, kick to those one-on-ones and back their players in. So I think it's just a bit of a mindset difference, uh, and hopefully a bit of confidence as well. But when we moved the ball quickly and through the middle and took it on, we looked good. And then we just get the half forward and just absolutely butcher it. So it's been a problem now for two or three years at Collingwood. So even when we made the grand final in 2018, it was a bit of a problem then as well. So, And again, I think a lot of people will focus on the back end and like saying that Collingwood lost it in the final, in the final quarter with some kind of silly mistakes for some younger players. But really, if you look at it again, and like we said in previous weeks, this game was lost when you had the momentum and had all the everything in your advantage in the first three quarters basically and then didn't capitalise it on there. So to go and say your end game is the problem is, is kind of false. We know what the problem is. The problem is not making the most of the scoring opportunities when they come and, and killing games off early enough. So that's been the kind of model that Collingwood's used all year is you win the first quarter comfortably and then you kill the game off and you go that way. But when that doesn't work, there's not much of a plan B there. So as you said, there needs to be a pretty, pretty quick and swift change down there at Pyland. So we'll go on to some good news now. Well, actually, it might not be good news for you because your big red pen might need to find an eraser for these blokes. West Coast, 11-7-73, defeated Geelong, 10-4-64, and now... All of football punditry has said that they are the number one contender. They hold the belts. They are premiership favourites now. Do you agree? No, I still don't. And I'm, I'm happy that that is because I'm getting better odds for Brisbane Port Adelaide every week. So, look, they're, uh, I reckon they're one injury. If Nick Nat, I'll be interested to see what they do this week and, and week after. Still in a bit of David King's Sunday here, but uh, Nick Nat needs probably a freshen up. And I want to see how they go. Without Nick Nat, and even though they've probably got a pretty good draw, uh, but we saw in the in the first you know half, probably three, two and a half quarters of this game, uh, where West Coast weakness was, and that was oh, we get opened up pretty easily. They easily scored against by Geelong. Uh, they got them over the back and the ground ball a few times as well. So yeah, I think that uh, if anything, it just I just looked at it and went well. Definitely, neither of these two teams. Actually, to be fair, out of either of these two teams, and it, it hurts me to say this because you know how long I've been a, a Geelong basher, but I reckon they're probably, I still think with the players they had out, they're going to be a lot a lot tougher to beat come the, the finals in the West Coast. Yeah, and I, I almost agree there. I think that the fact that, yeah, West Coast is now playing basically with house money, home ground advantage, basically a full list, 
that's a pretty big advantage to have at this time, especially against a Geelong side that's missing, you know, at least four first 22 players and pretty important ones as well. But the thing that's different about this win to the other ones, so Fremantle's win involved kicking 10-1. There's a couple of wins last week that involved super straight shooting. But this one was a, it was, a, it looks like a normal win. It reads like a normal win. It makes sense. Like they won the, they won all the KPIs you should win and they didn't rely on outrageous kicking to, to make it a, to make it a win. So, but as you said, when they get beaten in those areas that they, they've always been beaten at, when they get beaten a ground ball, when they get scored against at stoppage, when they get scored against due to fast turnovers, that's kind of concerning, especially because the teams that we know that will be there in September, the Brisbane's, the Port Adelaide's, maybe Richmond are those sides that do that and have beaten West Coast a lot previously in the past. So I yeah, agree there. Well, they definitely aren't the number one contender in my books either. No, well, Geelong were able to control the footy as well, like the contest, uncontested marks and stuff. They're able to uncontested positions. They're able to hang on to the footy and move pretty well. And, you know, the clearances you know, were pretty even, even though, you know, Nick Nat apparently dominated the whole game. So I, I still think that, yeah, and Geelong were able to score – Pretty a bit like last week with Collingwood early when we were able to score. It's very central and very close to goal. It's very similar scoring patterns against West Coast. So, yeah, I, I still hold my uh, definitely wouldn't be buying into the the media uh, frenzy on West Coast. I'd probably be buying a bit more on Geelong and maybe maybe I might be changing my tone on, which is scary because I've hated them for three years, but. Uh, the players that they come back and they've probably done what I, I'm, I kind of want Collingwood to do where they, they've chucked in a few blokes like Simpson and Close and that who have come out and they've they've played good footy they've, and they've added a bit something different to their team and um, Collingwood did that a few weeks back with um, Quainer and, you know, he's, he's been really good. Noble um, came back in and looked really, really good as well and had a bit of flair and spark and they've got a few other kids sitting there like Murphy and Wilson that probably should get a game and even if we bring back... Um, Tyler Brown and some other kids you know, on our list that haven't had much game time instead of going back to the same old blokes that aren't performing at the moment, like Josh Thomas and uh, Phillips. And I think Bucks needs to be, you know, just maybe freshen up a bit and see what happens. So, but Geelong's going well. And yeah, like I said, they've brought in a few young faces and they've still got Ablett, Salwood sitting there and they have, they're pretty much playing without a Ruckman as well. Although the big save is uh, proving to be a decent little backup and probably adds a bit more around the ground and, definitely going forward than what either Reece Stanley or uh, Zach Smith would. So I look forward to the feedback on uh, on this segment of the pod this week when we basically go Geelong lost and is more likely to win the premiership than West Coast. It sounds a bit backwards when you think about it like that, but I, I do look forward to that feedback. It'll be, it'll be interesting to hear. <laughs> uh, the last one is what I call no news. So St Kilda 15-11-101 defeated Sydney uh, 6-12-48. Do we get anything out of that? Other than that was a game that St Kilda should have won. Congratulations, St Kilda fans. You beat a bottom four side. Sydney, uh, Sydney uh, uh, from the weekend, watching the games, I'm quite scared of what Sydney and Gold Coast are, uh, can be like in probably another year or two. Sydney got some good academy players coming through. They've still got some young talent getting games into them. Longmire's changed the way they're playing their footy. They've still got blokes that are old enough that can be around the next couple of years in their next premiership window. Buddy pretty much having a year off, I reckon, is going to be a good thing. He's, I reckon he's still got something to give. And St Kilda, yeah, they're probably going to be good for this year and next year. But I, I think they're a bit like – remember North Melbourne a few years ago? They, they kind of topped up a bit and they were really good competitive, made finals, but probably weren't that that far. I mean, they made a few prelims as well, but they probably weren't that 
that step below the top three or four every year. And yeah. then it, it kind of they kind of fell off the cliff when they lost a lot of their senior players. I have a feeling that St Kilda are probably heading down that path where they that, don't get me wrong they might they won't win a flag and it might work for them the next couple of years. But I reckon they're a rung below and they they've got some good young kids. Don't get me wrong, but they've also got some uh, some good players that are you know at the top end of that age scale. You know, Hanbury obviously won't be back. Um, Riders only probably got a year or so left, maybe. Um, Geary hasn't got much left, although he's playing a good role down forward. I just, I'm not as optimistic long term about St Kilda, but I think they're trying to pinch one in the next year or two. So good luck to them, but generally that doesn't work. Or if it does, it only lasts for that year or two. They fall away quickly, so they want to get that that premiership done. And um, but I still have them a run off, and I, I was pretty excited from what I saw from Sydney for probably two and a half, three quarters. Mm. There's a lot of Western Bulldogs 2016 vibes about, about St Kilda at the moment. As you said, I don't think they're quite the rung to be premiership contenders, but if they get there in September, or September, October, November, January, whenever the finals end up being played, they they are very capable of winning four games in a row to pinch a flag. So I think that, that, could, that could happen. That's a very feasible. As a person that got absolutely burned by saying all year, that year that the doggies went up to it and they win the flag, and I have to keep on being revisionist history man and saying, well, they weren't the best side that year, but they won the flag, go figure. Just like you saying a team loses and is actually more likely to win the flag. I see St Kilda as, you know, they could win it, but I don't think they should is my, my take on it. There would be nothing more fitting for, than Geelong or St Kilda to win the flag this year. Actually, no, Geelong probably would be, be okay with the fans, but for St Kilda to break that massive drought, win a flag in probably Queensland or Perth where no St Kilda supporters would be watching, that would be absolutely fitting and it would make me very, very happy if that was the case. If they were to win a flag, I'd prefer it this way than, than if they were in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, look, and you're giving me a bit of a lip about, about, West, about West Coast and Geelong, but... You know, West Coast had to come from a long way back. They got a home crowd and they got some pretty uh, generous free kicks as well. So um, I know it doesn't all add up, but I reckon Geelong would be coming out of that, out of that game a lot better than what uh, West Coast will be long term. And you might, might, and I'm happy to be proven wrong and I'm happy to cop all the crap that I'll cop if I am wrong. So bring it on. Exactly. We've, we've dealt with way more things in uh, 2020 than a little bit of criticism from football fans. So... We can cop that one in our stride. Yep. Let's go into yep. our previews for round 10A. We'll do the first four games of this midweek only round, which is very odd. I haven't really checked the history on that, but I think it could be the first time ever that this has happened. It's weird. Talking of weird, fun fact for you before we head into the previews. Kicking accuracy this year has no correlation whatsoever into wins. Whether you kick straight or not is not a predictor at all in, in winning football games this year. So the whole... Bad kicking is bad footy is now is now broken. So ignore it completely when making your tips. That's 2020 for you. Nothing makes sense. First litmus test is tonight. Port Adelaide are taking on the Western Bulldogs. The power are $1.39 favourites. The Bulldogs are $3 outsiders at the Adelaide Oval. The line here is three goals, the over-under 119. Now, the power is a side that we've been behind for a while now, but people are not taking on to as much as a Brisbane or a West Coast or even a Richmond. What do they have to do tonight to prove that they are premiership potential? Well, they just need to keep winning, I think. And they need to beat sides like this that previously, like we spoke about last week, you know, before they played Melbourne, if 
generally this is the sort of game that Potard would lose that we expect him to win. And they need to keep winning these games that we expect them to win. And I think they should tonight. They get uh, Trent McKenzie back. And I spoke about how important he is to their, their back line. Mays has been playing awesome footy as well back there. He's an, he's an elite kick and elite decision maker. We're seeing him go back to form of probably three or four years ago when he was at Brisbane before he fell out of favour. Uh, Western Worlds do get Dunkley back, which is a big in for them in their midfield, but I don't reckon it'll be enough because it's still, I still can't see them uh, being able to go with Ports. Pressure and their ball movement, it'll be, it's going to be very similar to the, to the game last week against Melbourne for mine, and I reckon Port will uh, do a bit of a number on them. And uh, I won't say 40 odd points, but I'll say a, a comfortable five goal margin and, and get the job done. So, and then we're, so doggies are currently in the eight. I reckon they're the only team in the eight that fall out for either Collingwood or Gold Coast because I think still think Collingwood could finish in the eight, and I still think Gold Coast can finish in the eight, given their run home and um, the way they're playing their footy at the moment. So yeah, I think Port should get the job done here and knock the doggies out of the eight. Which kind of makes sense. I don't think the doggies are playing like a top eight side this year, despite having some healthy wins. Just because the fact when they do lose, they get beaten up pretty bad. Even if it's not on the scorecard, always that, that Gold Coast win wasn't by much on the on the scorecard, but definitely showed up their their weaknesses when it comes to dealing with with on ball pressure and dealing with making them play a, a Plan B style game style. And as you mentioned there by Port Adelaide, will probably do that tonight. So, and again, you just look at all the stat lines, and Port Adelaide is leading the competition in basically all of the KPIs, and the fact that they're not considered to be at least in the top rung of teams to contend for a premiership this year, I find kind of baffling. So. The line here is 15 and a half. Are we playing with that? Um, just on simple form lines as well, Western Bulldogs have only beaten one team inside the top eight, and that's GWS. Hmm. GWS are in the eight, aren't they? So, I mean, you can't uh, – they're only above them on percentage. So every other team they've played in the top eight, they've been thumped and they've been beaten by a few teams below them as well, like Collingwood. So I think Port win and cover the line. And it'll be an entertaining game either way. They both play pretty attacking style footy, end to end sort of stuff. So, yep. Very much agree with you there. And uh, to find your $4 of value, I've got a very concise one for you. Three legger, as we've been loving recently. So, Port at the line, McRae 25 plus, Amon 15 plus, four bucks, depending on who you bet with. Cheeky little top up, and you'll probably get around 420, 425. So, Good value there for what we think is going to be a comfortable Port Adelaide victory. Hopefully it happens because then people will start getting on it. The bandwagon of the Port Adelaide Football Club and we'll be able to say we were there before it was cool. Tuesday, 7-10, Richmond are $1.19. Even odds here against Brisbane, $1.90. They're playing at Metricon Stadium and the over-under here is one twenty-two. And what will be the marquee clash of round 10 now, where do you see? Is this a is this a ranking between two sides in equal tiers, or is Richmond being overrated now, given their recent surge? Well, for for my in my opinion, in I your opinion, Baz, the only opinion you, you can speak on. <laughs> in my opinion, I reckon Richmond are being over overhyped, and I think that Brisbane will finally break this hoodoo of I think it's it's been something like fifteen years or even longer. It's thirteen games. I can't remember how, but they haven't beaten. Uh, Richmond since Bradshaw and Lynch were both playing, I'm pretty sure. So mm -hmm. it's been a while uh, and I reckon they're going to break it. And it was even mentioned in the press comments last week and Fagan just said, oh, well, you know, we can't really worry about that, blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm tipping he might be using it as a bit of a focus. But 
I was thinking about this today because I know what Richmond Footy Club's like, and you know, Trent Cotchin has copped it a bit this week, and he's a skipper. It's the sort of uh, sort of thing that might just uh, build a bit of resilience among the amongst the group, and they might want to come out and, and play for him a bit. So to me, you're a bloody good game, I reckon, and you know, I reckon. I still reckon that the Richmond don't have the depth around the ground at the moment or in their list to, to go with Brisbane. If they're fully fit, there's no teams out obviously yet, which is the one thing that annoys me about all these games and rolling games. There's no teams out while we're, uh, we're, we're sitting here at 5.30 on a Monday and there's no teams out for tomorrow night. It's baffling. But um, yeah, I think Brisbane still win. They win one to 39 points, $2.25. It'll be a great game and we'll finally see uh, maybe the hype train and the pressure built on Brisbane as they start to become premiership favourites. And we could, I reckon, still be a close game, but I reckon people will start to see where Richmond really are. And that's, they're not, they're probably a, a run below the top three or four teams at the moment. See, I don't usually do this, but I've got a gut feeling that the Tigers win this one. And. Uh-huh. Part of it comes from last week's performance. So, yes, it was against the Doggies. Who cares? The Doggies aren't that good. They're a rung below. They always always lose to the sides they should lose to. But it's the fact that Richmond showed a, a plan B and executed it well. So it became a bit more of a possession game for them. They had a different style of tempo. So instead of going helter-skelter and making it a game of chance against the Lions, they do have the pull ripcord emergency valve that they can pull, slow the game down, and be a bit more calm and collected when going inside 50 and transitioning the football. And I haven't seen Brisbane do that. Brisbane's history under Fagan has not been able to do that. The games that they lose are when the games against teams that have plan A, plan B, hopefully a plan C. So that's my vibe coming into it. It's a 50-50 game for a reason. History suggests the bookmakers don't often get it wrong. And often when we say they've got it wrong, we're the ones that are wrong. So I'm going here. I reckon Richmond are definitely in it and I'll be tipping Richmond and maybe even putting some money on it. Because that's just how we roll in 2020. The, the difference between uh, the Brisbane Lions and the Doggies is they'll put a lot more pressure and it'll be a lot more physical when you try and do that. And they've got a lot more danger, dangerous forwards that can do things than what the Doggies do. I think it, you can try it, but I don't reckon it'll work as effectively against as against Brisbane, who will be fired up and ready to go. I reckon for this game. Yeah, as with the Tigers, though, as you said, with something to prove. So. That's the thing. That's the best thing about football yeah. is we get to have our opinion and we get to find out who's right and gloat about it the week after. Yeah. So you're going with the Lions. I'm going the Tigers. And uh, for once we, we disagree. Do you think this game will go overs though? Yeah, it could. It could go overs. There's, they're both definitely scoring teams. If the weather's good and, and the, you know, I reckon it depend on how Richmond decide to play it. 122 is definitely in danger for me. So whoever you think's going to win yeah. plus the overs is a good value bet for your Tuesday night. All right, two games on the Wednesday are pretty forgettable games. I'm pretty sure Batchy's on Wednesday nights, isn't it, Baz? Uh, yeah, I hope it is because yeah, I don't really, I don't know how I'm going to go watching both these games. Yeah, my hot tip would be don't. So Wednesday at <laughs> 5.40, most of us, if we still are employed at that stage in Victoria, will be too busy getting back or logging off from work. Uh, Geelong, $1.37 favourites against North Melbourne, $3.10. They're playing at the Gabba. The line here is 14. The overrun doesn't exist yet because rolling fixtures. Um Geelong win. That's it really, isn't it? Like, yes, North Melbourne yeah. beat Adelaide by 80, what, 69 points last week, but, like, who cares? It's Adelaide. Adelaide are, aren't in a sample side. It'd be rude to call Adelaide a sample side at the moment. 
Geelong, Geelong are going to rest a few players, but they get players back. Like Salwood can play this game. He, he could have played against West Coast, but they sat, held him over for this game, which means someone like Duncan or someone like that can probably have a, have a sit out. Um, Geelong win and win pretty comfortably, I reckon. North. That, that game, Adelaide, Adelaide went went backwards from their previous two weeks. I thought that actually give a, a yell. They would have built up for this game knowing it was a game they could possibly win. They were putrid. It was like watching a sample team. And I could see Matty Nix at halftime with his little video and stuff. He was ready to expire, but I think he realised what he has in front of him. And they're playing a team. I'm just, I'm sorry, I've, just, I've kind of moved on from Geelong and, and North because it doesn't need to be straight around anymore. Is that all right? That's fine. Yeah, I'm love, I love that. Don't bet so, on it. Um, Don't watch it. Move on. Yeah. Um, Geelong will win. Just tip Geelong. But... Melbourne were just as terrible. I mean, they, they were still better than, than what Adelaide produced. But, geez, this, this game is going to be a terrible game. And I, I've tipped Adelaide the last three weeks thinking they're going to get their win over the line. I'm going to tip Melbourne this week because can't, you can't tip Adelaide after last week. <laughs> you know what's going to happen now, don't you? Yeah. The Spoonapalooza curse will continue. So I'll introduce the uh, games like we do on this pod before Baz went rogue 2020 style. Wednesday, 8.10, the primetime slot. Don't watch it. Adelaide, $2.75 outsiders. Melbourne, $1.45 favourites at the Adelaide Oval. The line here, 14.5 over under does not exist because not even the bookmakers care about this game. Um, Yes, Melbourne stank, Adelaide stank more. Melbourne, you can't. Like Adelaide is a horse that is like barely even making it to like a Tuesday track meeting terrain. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Apologies um, to terrain race course. I don't know how well you know certain trainer stuff, but this is this is a uh, Bryce Stanaway um, trainer, Mole Cristiano horse, who's had like 130 starts yet to break its maiden. Probably its its ratings that low. It probably shouldn't even be allowed to race. It's like a ten year old. But it keeps popping up each 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 twenty four hundred maiden at friggin' Maui on a Saturday on a Monday, and um, keeps getting beaten by fifteen lengths running last. So, look, oh, you couldn't possibly tip Adelaide uh, after what they produced last week. If it was going, if they produced sim- something similar to what they had the previous couple of weeks, you could probably entertain it, but you couldn't. Melbourne will get the win. They'll gloss over cracks. Fox Footy will probably talk them up, saying the Premiership favourites again. Goodwin will probably get his two-year extension. Um, they'll probably talk up how good Petraka is and Clay Oliver again. But for mine, I think Melbourne are in a deep, deep uh, trouble. They've got serious list issues. They got nothing at the draft this year because they traded them all last year with their picks um, and previously to get Hogan, uh, sorry to get uh, May and, and Lever in. They got serious holes in that list, serious issues. They're not going to be able to fix them this year. And I think um, they got they need to really think about make some bold decisions in the, the year with who they can trade and trade out and get back in. And um, they need to add some pace and they need to add some more skill by foot. And they probably will be regretting uh, when they traded Hogan, they gave away a pick to get Stephen May when they had a very, very good centre-half back in Tom McDonald and they already had Lever in that list. They went and got Stephen May instead of uh, keeping the pick and probably taking one of the King boys. So, but tip Melbourne anyway. That's my little that's my little side swipe on Melbourne. But anyway, tip Melbourne and uh, forget and move on to Thursday night. So you broke your own rule there. You did a fox footy. You still made Melbourne part of the story. 
I should cut this out for yeah. you know for for consistency in in our in our narratives and in our beliefs, but I'll I'll leave it in because it was a good rant nonetheless. On everyone's favorite segment, feature bets for this midweek edition of What the Odds Round Ten A, Baz. What is your best bet for the week? Uh, best bet is Brisbane 139, uh, about $2.25. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite of that one. I reckon the best bet here is the Tiggers take the $1.90 or um, there are some bookmakers that will give you $2 lines. So you'll get a line of like plus or minus a half for a next, little bit extra of 10 cents value. Do you have a value bet speaking of value bets? Um, I've got a little six-leg six multi for tonight in the port game now. Um, I didn't have as much success in the last on the over the weekend, but I did get the Chalor led uh, Kelly little over twenty each up, which covered probably the bets just. But and Adelaide let us down obviously with their putrid performance. So Charlie Dixon anytime goal scorer, Mitch Wallace anytime goal scorer. Then you got Carl Amon Libertori over fifteen touches, and Boak and Caleb Daniel to get twenty or more, and that gives you six dollars fifty. That is great value. And as much as a six leg is always audacious, that one actually makes a lot of sense. All right. That brings us to the end of what are the odds special Monday night edition for a all midweek round. It is exciting times here in 2020. And uh, we hope you're all staying safe if you're a Victorian or, you know, just, just living frivolously. If you're not a Victorian, just enjoying the freedoms that we can't have on behalf of us. And, uh, Stay safe, Baz, and enjoy the football if you can, and uh, we'll we'll talk together on uh, Wednesday or Thursday.